Hello everyone and welcome back to another podcast. Yes, we return with Knowing Wheel. I think we're on episode 85 I of believe the show. So. 85 yes. episodes of Knowing Wheel. We're almost at the two-year landmark of the inauguration of the world's best Formula One podcast, wow. as voted uh, by... According to who? Uh, well, that I hadn't actually stumbled that far into the show yet to work out who <laughs> I was going to say. But you know what? Uh, we're going to self-crown ourselves uh, with this one. Of course, as always, before we jump into the show this week, if you're watching this on YouTube, wave to the camera, Jamie, and you do want to check us out on Spotify, there will be links down below. You know, massive thank you to all of you that have continued to support us on Spotify this year. You know, the sport has been absolutely mind-blowing. You know, the fact that we sit here and ramble about Formula One uh, for a few hours a week and, you know, so many of you tune in and leave us comments and even hurl abuse at me on Twitter about Fernando Alonso. It's it's all greatly, <laughs> uh, greatly appreciated. But as well, of course, there will be links to F1 merch, to Bybit, um, to Manscaped, all that good stuff uh, will be linked down below as well. So, you know, if you want to go check out a few different things, then we would highly, highly recommend doing so. But... Safe to say, we've got a lot to get through this week. Brazil, (laughs) as always, has delivered. And, of course, I think we'd all kind of forgot about it. It was a sprint weekend as well. So there was always going to be pretty much 100 laps worth of action from Brazil. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, that means it's going to be an extra long podcast for you, I'd imagine. Obviously, we don't don't know for sure. But knowing us, it will be extremely long. So shall we get straight into it with some... uh, well, we'll quickly Qualifying. plug the fact there's there's timestamps linked down below if you just want to go to a certain point of the show because I, I think we both know already uh, there's going to be a couple of spicy points of contention as mm. we get through <laughs> this evening. But yeah, let's let's start with qualifying then. It's safe to say the, the weekend started as it was going to go on with chaos and unpredictability. Yes, uh, and being Brazil, it obviously meant there was going to be some changeable conditions as there always seems to be some element of surprise in Telagos. It's a very good race track to go to for that that reason, really. Um, and just the nature of it's really, yeah, it suits, it sets up good racing, which is exactly what you want, really, um, especially after Mexico last week, the last time out. Um, yeah, so qualifying started uh, in the damp conditions. It was raining, uh, but drying up fairly quickly. Um, obviously, 18-minute session, so there was going to be a chance at the end for one one or two maybe laps each on the slick tires i think gasly was the first to risk it on slicks um but yeah q1 uh yeah there was chance for uh, one lap each really at the on the dry tire at the end of the session and surprisingly probably the most surprising thing about this session is there weren't any massive surprises um <laughs> which is not a sentence i expected to be saying but um yeah. Mick schumacher was last i guess in the context of the whole qualifying session that was quite surprising um, foreshadowing jamie yeah foreshadowing sorry <laughs> uh, spoilers if you haven't, haven't uh watched the fy i don't know how you ended up in this podcast but welcome um yes sonoda bottas joe and latifi out um imagine being employed by Alfa romeo and going out both out in q1 hey they did all right by the end of the weekend <laughs> no they did to be fair well done alpha um yes q2 again was dry at the start and then just got a little damp towards the end of the session. Uh, not wet enough for inters, but wet enough so no one really improved, which meant the session was kind of done, maybe 10 minutes in. Um, and yet again, there weren't weren't really any surprises of the drivers who went out. Um, it was Alvin, P11, Gasly, Vettel, Ricardo, and Stroll in 12th to 15th. 
and yeah, we kind of had that that classic top nine plus one, which was Kevin Magnussen, um, which everyone expected to be B10, but it ended up Q3. But um, yeah, do you want to take us through Q3? I actually wasn't watching live, um, so yeah, you can uh, you can run us down that. I mean, it was just the perfect storm. It was one of those sessions. We've we've these sessions are on the one hand magical, on the other hand, of course, really frustrating. Uh, because it was basically one run and you're done at the start of qualifying. There was rain inbound. Everyone knew it was just going to have to be the first car on a lap. Unless, of course, you're Ferrari. Uh, because <laughs> as everyone comes out of the pit lane on a set of dry compound tyres, Charles Leclerc rocks up on intermediates. And there's a brilliant shot, Jamie. I don't know if you've seen oh, it on see Twitter. It, it. Of Charles Leclerc in his helmet. You see his eyes looking in his rearview mirrors as he just all sense of hope of Ferrari just absolutely falls apart. But because, of course, it's one run counts, you, you want to be starting right at the far end of the pit lane, you know, towards turn one. Mm. Uh, and now, of course, for those of you that aren't aware, the pit lane order is completely decided by last year's championship, Constructors' Championship finish. So that meant Kevin Magnussen... Because of Nikita Mazepin being so bad last year, and of course well, Haas generally having a bit yeah. of a dull, <laughs> slow car anyway, Kevin Magnussen was the first car onto a lap, and it was absolutely one of those sessions where your first car on a run is going to have the best track, so should take pole. And despite the fact he's got a much slower car than the Red Bulls that were behind him, Kevin Magnussen did it in what was, I don't know if you've watched this lap back, Jamie, it's not certainly a world-breaking lap or anything like that, but it was just tidy. It was honestly, it sort yeah. of gave me George yeah. Russell vibes from last year at Spa. There was nothing incredible about it, but the fact there was nothing incredible about it, but nothing wrong with it, kind of made it incredible. And that yeah. moment, yeah. Kevin Magnussen at the end of the first runs was fastest by about three tenths of a second. And of course, no one was going to be able to touch it. No, no. And it's kind of like I remember they used to say on Top Gear with the the Star and Reese car, they used to say, if a lap looks slow it's probably really quick like if it doesn't look dramatic you're probably carrying a lot of speed which Kevin Magnussen certainly was and yeah I think what Leclerc was at the head of the pit lane because he was on the inters looking back wasn't he Leclerc was just behind Kevin Magnussen oh just behind fair enough um yeah so he had he did have the the best of the conditions but fair play you made the most of it for sure um Richard yes Richard (laughs) so it's been a while uh yeah and I think Verstappen made a mistake in turn eight. I think he uh, went yes. wide there. Yes, yeah. Right. Um, so that kind of scuppered his his potential, but he still put it in second place with George Russell um, ending up ending up third. Um, and yeah, I mean it wouldn't have mattered, but Russell then careered straight into the gravel. Um, yeah. Because yeah, it was very odd that because there was it was just a complete like driver error. He just put it on the grass on the entry well the rear's no... locked and that's what pushed the rear outside tire mm. onto the grass because the problem was what basically it looked to me like he dipped a wheel on the paint which yeah. of course in the yeah. dry is absolutely fine in the wet it's risky that then caused a bit of rear locking i think which obviously pushed so that rear tire to out right, to the grass yeah. and obviously that's then when he went for quite an aggressive trip actually through the gravel trap it looked like they got like um absolutely cultivated that gravel yeah. trap it was not smooth by any means no and then the most embarrassing thing about it of course was the fact that then george looped it around again and then got yeah so he did beached he actually did quite well to keep the car going and out the wall and then as soon as he tried to actually get going he just 
dug himself a hole and ended up beaching the gravel. Literally so, dug himself yes. a hole. Yes. Um, so that was the session definitely done. If there was any chance of improvement, by the time the red flag was gone, there was definitely not any chance of improvement. Which, yeah, left, well, eight minutes or so of waiting for the session to end to Kevin Magnussen to take his first pole position. Yeah, which... I mean, Haas were kind of already vibing yeah, before the yeah. session had come to an end. But it was kind of one of those weird things where, I mean, Formula One even tweeted it before the session had ended. Yeah, but yeah. Kevin Magnussen, fair play. I mean, let's be fair. It was the perfect storm. If like it, it was just one of those things that it won't happen in Formula One often, but it makes a good story. It's a bit it feel good for Haas as well. You know they deserved it. It kind of you know after everything that's gone on for them over the last few years, you know even back to 2019 with Rich Energy, they needed a win and fair play. I had a big grin on my face watching yeah. K Mag and the whole yeah. team celebrate. Yeah, definitely. It's just uh, nothing on the 2010 poll though. So it was even better than the 2010 poll. <laughs> even better. Um, but yeah, obviously we saw Kevin Magnussen then on pole position ahead of Max Verstappen, uh, George Russell P3, Lando Norris, after food poisoning on Thursday, came back, fastest in Q1, fastest in Q2, P4 at the end, oh excuse me, of Q3, he was rapid all weekend long, yeah. once again, and then yeah, Sainz, Ocon, Alonso, Hamilton made a couple of small errors and just lacked confidence throughout the entirety of qualifying there but still beat out Perez who got stuck behind Leclerc and of course yeah then Leclerc didn't even set a lap time anyway so he just decided to screw his main championship rival yeah fair play <laughs> I would do the same to be fair um, yeah and then that was obviously set the grid for the sprint race uh, which took place on Saturday evening which I was actually busy doing some real life racing at that point so I didn't watch the sprint race either um, yeah. let's just specify that was go-karting go-karting i'm not a racing driver no Jamie, i did win though so you did we... i was actually very like i saw that on twitter i was very impressed to be fair. <laughs> well thank you you'd get absolutely like done at go-karting why because i'd absolutely trounce you no you wouldn't i definitely would i don't genuinely believe you would be quicker than me <laughs> we, right that's it we're going go-karting new year we're, winter we're getting, social we're, we're setting this up we're doing knowing wheel goes go-karting yeah because yeah. i do Let's not do believe you would be faster i, than I me. would I would. I don't believe that for one second. Uh, but anyway, but yeah. let, let's talk about a sprint race that <laughs> happened uh, down in Brazil. Before we even got into the race, strange things were going on. Max Verstappen and Nicholas Latifi, if I remember correctly, were the only two cars not starting on softs, which was yeah. very unlike Red Bull. You'd expect yeah. Ferrari to have rocked up with full wets on both cars on a dry track, <laughs> but not Red Bull. It was strange. They must. Like Red Bull are usually quite confident in what they're doing like yeah i feel like a team like ferrari just kind of hope for the best a lot of the time whereas red bull <laughs> actually know what they're doing so the fact they did start mediums they must have been quite convicted about whatever they believed the mediums were going to do or the softs were going to do rather um but yeah that kind of well it came back to bite them later in the race um because the pace on the mediums just well the softs basically never never died so the mediums just were hampering them all race, which was a bit of a shame for Verstappen and for Lid well. Latifi was never really gonna do much anyway. Um but yeah, it's it was a, a strange recession. strange decision and they've not really Well, I don't think they did explain why. And, well the yeah. plan was that they could then get a fresh set of the soft compound tires ready for the Grand Prix. But of course everyone was looking at it going, Well it's quite an easy one stop from the softs or the mediums to the hards, so I mean yeah. it didn't end up that way. But it was kind of there, like, well, you don't really sort of see what you've actually gained out of that, to be honest. 
Um, mm. But that did mean, though, Kevin Magnuson had a nice clean getaway uh, from the front of the field, and you just had visions of him going through the first couple of corners, just absolutely panicking just to try and get away <laughs> from Verstappen whilst he could. I mean, of course, none of us expected to last very long, uh, but we did expect it to last longer than Alonso and Ocon's, well, not really friendship, is it? But they, they came to blows again twice on the opening yes. lap. Alonso was pretty scathing of Ocon in the interview afterwards, but turn four incident, that was completely on Ocon. He just completely fought Alonso over the over the white line on the outside. Yes, he was focused um, on the cars in front, wasn't he? And genuinely didn't notice, yeah, but apparently yeah. didn't notice Alonso on his outside. But I mean, yeah, just like Ocon. he didn't notice Perez on his inside of Eau Rouge yeah. at that time. He didn't notice Alonso in, in Budapest either. <laughs> Ocon just makes enemies out of teammates, doesn't he? I don't know what he. Yeah. I don't know what he's like to to work with, but there's got to be something going on there that makes him so just abrasive. He's just, he must just be really abrasive, like as a person, I think, because. Like, Perez has never really had issues with other teammates. We'll get onto that later. Well, yeah, that's not exactly the time to be saying that, but I know what you mean. Who else has Ocon been a teammate with? Alonso, Uh, Ricardo. Well, Ricardo just trounced him. Ocon was kind of coming back into the sport at that point. Yep. Um, That's it, isn't it? uh, Verline as well, technically, for half season. For, like, eight races. But, like, those are drivers. I mean, Alonso's been pretty abrasive to certain teammates, I suppose. Most of them. Like, Ocon has just... And Ocon and Gazi's relationship from the like kids as well they he just seems like a bit of a a nasty guy i think well it just doesn't make sense does it like i can only get because we never really sort of get that on tv do we like if ever they do interviews with them or anything like that but clearly there's gotta you've got to like read between the lines there he must be a very different person behind the scenes that he hides very very well on tv yeah definitely um but yeah that was only the first incident um because second one Alonso, it was a bit weird because it was kind of like the stroll incident in the USA with Alonso, where well, not quite, not quite because Ocon didn't move as much, no, but, but that Ocon was a very didn't minor move. That I think there was a, a very slight move to the right, if, but not enough to make a difference. If you watch his steering, he only ever moves left. But does he open it at all? He doesn't open it pro- because he is again, going through the, a kink. The problem is, of course, they're going through a left-hand corner where they make contact. So yeah. whether Alonso thought Ocon was going to go more to the left I don't know I mean at the end of the day Jamie and I don't know if you see this different to me what happened was Alonso crashed into the back of his teammate yeah yeah that is what happened and yeah I think Alonso was maybe expecting or like the way the corner was going Ocon was fully on the left and then was less fully on the left because it's a left hand corner but he's perfectly entitled to do that because he's the driver ahead yeah it was a bit weird um and it was fairly similar to you were saying that Alonso could have avoided it if he just hadn't been trying to cut it so close. Um, I feel Obviously, like USA mm. was... A, I feel like they're similar incidents, but very, very different all at the same time. Yeah. USA he had a lot more extra speed and Stroll made a much, much more aggressive much bigger, move yeah. on an actual straight. Mm. Ocon then yeah. was going through a left-hand sort of kink, if you will. Um, and yeah, Alonso this time around did just crash into him. I was amazed though that Ocon didn't get a puncture from that. Yeah, yeah. The um, tyres were doing work in the sprint because the same later on with another incident where there wasn't a puncture. I don't know how. That was just a bit mad, really. Um, but yeah, that scuppered both of their races completely. The the Alpines, which at the at the point of history um, looked like it was a massive problem because 
McLaren are really close behind them in the constructors, and they've thrown away a double top eight to for, like qualify in the end. What P sixteen and P nineteen? It was P like that. Uh, sixteen and seventeen in the end. They lined up on the yeah. grid. Um, but yeah, I mean, we kind of had a few more things going on though during during the sprint, didn't we? Uh, Ma- uh, Sergio Perez versus Hamilton. Uh, they were both trying to obviously fight their way back through the grid after a rough qualifying session. Stroll then tries to learn how he's going to battle Alonso next year. <laughs> that is just going to end so badly. He he was a very dangerous move on Sebastian Vettel. And of course, you know, Alonso screams on the radio about this, that and the other. Vettel just says, okay. So whether he's <laughs> just expecting it at this point, we don't really know. He just um, got his uh, got his slippers on ready for retirement. I, 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 honestly, Alonso is going to absolutely destroy Alpine. Uh, sorry, Aston Martin next year. <laughs> rip them a new one. That is going to be the most toxic thing I've ever seen. That is going to force him. There's going to be so much spice in teams next year. Genuinely, it's especially F1 now he's got a Red Bull to add to that as well. Yeah, F1 is just all about Netflix. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Then the main talking point from the sprint really was this: uh, the battle for the race lead between George Russell and Max Verstappen, who didn't drive off into the distance. I guess partly the medium tires, but also the Mercedes was just really fast. Yeah, um, Red Bull seemed to struggle, didn't they? Mm. Because none of us kind of expected it after qualifying, but they really just did not have the... Not even dominant pace that they've always shown this year, but They didn't have race-winning pace. Well, yeah, not really, did they? It was just a bit weird. Mm. It was almost like Ferrari's Mexico pace, where they would... It wasn't that bad. I know both Red Bulls had issues, but they probably would have ended up fifth and sixth anyway in a normal race. Yeah, yeah, I suppose it's fair. Yeah very strange but anyway Russell obviously that gave him the chance to battle Verstappen because he was right there for him and it was actually a really good battle for what three laps yeah. like they're, that's longer than most of the battles we see so especially ones involving Red Bulls because once they're through they're just gone um, yeah. but yeah Russell and Verstappen very good racing we saw a bit of it in Spain between them um, but yeah Russell has seems to have decent racecraft obviously we didn't get a massive chance to see it at his Williams days but uh, other than when he took out Bottas um, but yeah very very good racing very exciting battle and eventually Russell got through around the uh, outside of turn 4 was he it not he literally pulled off the carbon copy move of what Hamilton did last year on mm. Verstappen he baited him into turn 1 and then got the run down the Esquivel de Largo and made the move and it was kind of one of those ones where we were looking at it going well Verstappen's just going to get him past because even with DRS the Merc was no quicker than the Red Bull down the straights it was yeah. just the fact that Stappen compromised his run through the centre S. That um, yeah, Russell managed to get an opportunity, and yeah, I kind of just expected Verstappen just to fly back past him, but Russell just kind of walked off after that. It wasn't yeah. absolutely dominating, but it was just comfortably faster. Yeah, and then that obviously left Verstappen in the clutches of uh, Carlos Sainz, who had a very quietly very good weekend. I thought genuinely. Yeah. Um, generally, he was very solid Sainz all weekend, but ended up passing Verstappen for that second place in the sprint um, which is where that contact happened at turn one with Verstappen trying to cut back in underneath Science a bit and then misjudged it caught his front wing on Science's right rear and yep. somehow there wasn't a puncture um, but Verstappen did lose his end plate so that kind of yeah if his pace was already going because of the mediums it was gone with that, with that end plate missing um, but yeah Science was through and that left Verstappen to defend from Hamilton for the final place on the podium um, which 
one lap later was was gone and Hamilton was through into third from what eighth on the grid in the sprint so eighth place on two, the grid. two years a sprint of Brazil and Hamilton's gained plenty of places 20 places in yeah. 48 laps across two sprint yeah. races is not bad going not bad no going not at, at all, all. Um, but yeah, of course, that, that meant, you know, we had George Russell, uh, Carlos Sainz, uh, sorry, Lewis Hamilton on the podium. Of course, Sainz, it had already been confirmed, would have grid penalties for the race. So out of nowhere, Mercedes had a front row start, a front row lockout for the Grand Prix, despite not getting pole position. There still needs to be a bit of work <laughs> done with the sprint race logic. Um, quickly, before we jump into the real Grand Prix, though, Jim, I just want to talk, of course, we've had three sprint races again now in 2022. I saw some interesting comments on Twitter from a few people saying that it was ridiculous having a sprint race because it just then meant Kevin Magnussen had 24 more laps where he was going to try and defend himself. Of course, I'm sure Kevin Magnussen would have rather there wasn't a sprint race either after <laughs> what happened to him at the start of the Grand Prix. Yeah. I genuinely don't mind them still. I don't want a sprint race every weekend, but sort of having three or four a year, especially around a track like Brazil where they work, I'm still like having something a little bit different just a few weekends a year yeah yeah i definitely think that as well i think people kind of love to rinse sprint races because you can kind of tell that all of the inner circle of formula one people especially in formula media have i don't know either been told by the fia to back them or they just genuinely do quite like them and people love to have a go at that but we're neither i mean i can only speak for myself but i've not been paid by the fia um to have a positive you, you believe i've opinion. been paid by the fia <laughs> <laughs> you never know i can't rule it out um yeah i genuinely i just quite like them i think what i always think is better than a practice session yeah <laughs> like and that's what it's replacing and yes you can say magnuson uh only has well he has 24 more laps to lose a lead well equally i don't know like um, who was at the back? I don't know, like Joe or Schumacher, for instance, has now got 24 more laps to make up the places. So it goes uh, both ways completely. I tell you what, sprint race weekends really suit Mick Schumacher. They do, because he can't qualify. Because he can't qualify <laughs> and it takes him a while to get used to a race car. They really, really do help him out because he had a brilliant sprint race. 20th to 12th was very, very mm. good going. He basically gained every place that Kevin Magnussen lost. Uh, yeah, that they almost met in the middle. They did pretty uh. much meet in the middle in the end. It was very, very weird. Um, but, I mean, yeah, like I said, I quite... Again, to a track like Brazil, they're really good fun. If they announce they're doing a sprint race at Monaco next year, <laughs> I'm probably not going to watch it. No, But it no. is just, you know, around Brazil, I feel like Silver Silverstone could get another yeah. good shot. It's kind of... I mean, not a lot happened really in the sprint last year, apart from Checo binning it and Verstappen getting the jump on Lewis. Um, but, you know, I feel like we're probably going to see, you know, next year they've confirmed we're having six, haven't they? So we're going to get 30 races when you include sprints next year, which is kind of mental. I think what they're trying to do is just try a few more different circuits and then hopefully, in you know, three, four years down the line, we'll have four, five tracks with yeah. sprint races that can be quite good. I if So if, if, it, if it was you choosing tomorrow, Jamie. Okay six tracks for sprint races for 2022 where would you go now remember quickly as well you cannot host one at las vegas because the race is on saturday night oh yeah true um i would keep one at brazil i think that's, i feel like we're going to come up a, with pretty similar yeah. ones here 
That's um, a no but brainer, I'm just I think, intrigued. Too. So I'm also going to say Brazil. I think it'd be quite cool to have one at Bahrain. I was literally thinking the same thing. <laughs> Bahrain <laughs> at as the well. first first race of the season, just kick it off with a sprint. And Bahrain is a brilliant racetrack. Yeah, it is. Bahrain's one of the top five, probably on the calendar in terms of racing. Um, I think Silverstone would be a good like. Obviously, the one last year didn't really do that much. Uh, other than like Alonso having a good start, and that was kind of it, as you said. Two more, two more races. Three more. Oh, I thought uh, Silverstone. I said Silverstone, Bahrain, Brazil. Oh yeah, there's six, aren't there? Um, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna throw one out here. I'm gonna say Baku. Baku would just like I I remember saying this at the time of Baku. It's not a good race for people who actually like racing. It's a good race for people I who like crashes. It, I think it has been better the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. I think Slightly. Baku deserves a sprint race, at least to try it. Yeah, I think something like China would be cool. If we even go back to Shanghai. If we go still. back to China, that is. But like the a track with ridiculously high tyre wear. Yeah, this where, is like, the thing. The bench... I, this is what I wonder whether they need to try something different with sprint races. Of Cause give the, us I like from, ultra soft tyres again. From F2, whenever they do sprint races at Bahrain, for instance, mm. the tyre wear basically means it's very close between a zero stop and a one stop. Yeah. Which makes for great racing because you've got drivers genuinely three four seconds a lap quicker on and the this is tire. what i think sprint races need you either need like a hard tire that will last but is quite slow or a really soft tire that will definitely not last that's really quick mm. just to throw in some jeopardy yeah. basically and you do it at the high tire wear tracks such as china or bahrain or whatever yeah um see i'd throw in shanghai if we go back there yep i'm trying to remember other tracks now um I mean, the Monza sprint was quite good. So yeah, I'll throw Monza in there. What, last year? Yeah, it was fairly fairly good, wasn't it? Well, I remember I was, watch it. I thought it was pretty dull. I thought Gasly dominate, uh, Gasly binned it, sorry, and not a lot else happened, if I remember correctly. I just enjoyed it because Hamilton lost his, uh, lost his pole position. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, Saudi Arabia is always quite entertaining. Again, for similar yeah. reasons to Baku. I think what Saudi Arabia needs is a Grand Prix and then a sprint afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> Just have the grid bunched back up again. Yeah. yeah. That would be chaos. I mean, last 2021 Saudi was basically like four different sprints in the one Grand Prix. It basically was, wasn't it? I always think back to Saudi last year and think, what if Mick hadn't been there and that race that had was just such been a, a ridiculous race? It wasn't really a race, though, was it? It was a farce. It was, such, it was an absolute chaos. It was quite entertaining. It was a farce at the end of the day. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's other tracks that we like. That would be my six sprint races. Yeah, I think we're we're pretty similar there. I'm trying to think of any others that I wouldn't mind. Basically, trying. either you want either tracks that are good, very good for overtaking, or quite chaotic. Yeah. And I you don't want tracks like Zandvoort or Mexico or Monaco or, yeah. I was gonna say Mexico might work, but it would no. have to require uh, flexible engine modes or something like that. Why? Why would why would engine modes make a difference? Because then cars can go full tilt rather than always struggling. What they should do is they should, like they just need to sink up. the Mexico circuit yeah, to sea level, yeah. don't they? Just raise sea level. No, that would make a difference, would it? No, it won't. <laughs> I mean, we're doing our best, aren't we? Um, yeah, just take Mexico and put it by the coast. Yeah. And then it'll be a good race. Exactly. I mean, Mexico has a lot of coastline, but just Mexico City. Put it on the yeah. coast. <laughs> let's let's actually we have 
gone off a tangent there like no tomorrow. Let's discuss then, Jamie, the Grand Prix itself. Brazil. Yes. We've got homeboy Hamilton on the front row next to his teammate. Or honorary homeboy Hamilton. Homeboy Hamilton from Sao Paulo. <laughs> I saw I saw an edit on TikTok a couple of weeks ago. Uh, from someone dubbing Hamilton the King of Stevenage. And I sort of thought, I'm not even sure that's a title he would want no, at the end no. of the day. It's certainly not like, yeah. If you compare Sao Paulo to Stevenage, I feel like you come up with a few differences. Um, but yeah, Stevenage has probably got better bike lanes from what I know about Stevenage. <laughs> that's about it. Okay. okay. <laughs> talk, talk me through the race start, Jamie. Yes. Uh, I didn't watch the race live either. Um, but I have watched it back with basically comprehensive highlights um but yeah mercedes won two of course and they got away well which we sort of expected it's a very short one to turn one um so russell led from hamilton uh yeah um, norris was started fifth behind the two red bulls went very aggressive into turn one and turn four actually but didn't make either move come off quite and if, um so both red bulls comfortable three four um what lando did do was screw himself on the entry to ferradura and uh yeah made nope that was the restart never mind <laughs> that was the restart well done <laughs> yes uh let's not go off script um every word of this is scripted if you didn't know um but yeah into turn six yeah the uh midfield was where the action was happening which yeah unfortunately the in true f1 fashion the uh the fairy tale of friday night was was cut very short in the race um and Kevin Magnussen was completely binned off by Daniel Ricciardo. He um, was sent to the shadow realm. Yes. But, yeah. now, Ricciardo got all the blame for this, and rightfully so. He did turn Kevin Magnussen around. However, Kevin Magnussen should have held his break there, and he could have probably... Again, it would have then been down to potluck about whether another driver avoided him, but he wouldn't have hit Ricciardo. Yeah, it annoys me when drivers... It's almost like that. That I mean, obviously, you're a four to one driver. You're going to be quite selfish, but they are in those situations when drivers spin up their wheels to get to like pirouette around quicker. That's I, so dumb. I'm not even like, convinced that's what K Mag was doing. Because let's be fair, when we say that, we both think of 2019 Spain Roman Grosjean, don't we? 2018. Was it? No, yeah. it was Rich Energy. No, it wasn't. Oh, was. wait. No, it out. was 20. It was 18. Yeah, it was he 18. hit Gasly, didn't he? And Gasly, Gasly was in the also. Yeah, Gasly and Hulk. Yes. My boys were yeah, both that out was on quite that funny. one. That was they the were most... both out that one. I was just depressed. The rest of the race was rubbish. <laughs> I, I don't um... think that's what K Mag was actually trying to do this time around. It looked like he was trying to get the car out of the way a lot more. I'm not sure. It's, you're all acting on instinct at that point, really, aren't you? But... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was Hindsight slightly unwise. Thing. Yeah, but yeah, maybe he definitely could have like done himself a favour by not just pirouetting into the path of another driver. Yeah. Um, but it was obviously on Ricardo. We're not yeah. blaming Magnussen at all. And it um, was a fair job that he hit Ricardo again. It wasn't like David yeah, Coulthard yeah. 2008 where he just gets involved in someone else's crash again. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I mean, the onboard from Ricardo sounds like a really hefty whack, doesn't it? Sounds it like was quite, pretty hefty. It sounds yeah. like quite a violent impact, to be to be mm. honest. But, yeah, it immediately meant that we had a safety car restart. So, George Russell at the front of the field. Brilliant getaway. I was then immediately panicking. Because <laughs> now Max Verstappen is close to my boys. And we both know what Verstappen could be like. 
Right, here we go. <laughs> Only took 33 right. minutes. This this is probably going to be one of the two big talking points of the night. I feel like the other one we might agree with a little bit more on, but this one I feel like <laughs> we're, we're not going to see eye to eye, are we? We are reasonable. We this are reasonable. The name, the name of the podcast comes from that. Exactly. But let's let's not try and hide any facts away for a second, Jamie. You are a Max Verstappen fan. Yes. I am a Lewis Hamilton fan. We're, we're not going to try yes. and deny these allegations. <laughs> now, the way... Again, this is the horrible thing as well, of course, with incidents like this, because you see pictures on Twitter. We, we can agree here. Pictures are the worst sense of evidence <laughs> in Formula One because they give yeah. you no context in most what sports, is going on. In fair. most sports, you're absolutely right. Because football, people always pause when someone's two-footing someone, but yeah. they pause it on the instant they get the ball. Yeah. And they forget to include where they broke their leg. Yeah, three <laughs> seconds beforehand. Yeah. Now, yeah. the way I see it, Verstappen tries to get the run around the outside of Hamilton. He gets into turn one ahead. I completely agree. Mm-hmm. But he's pretty much fully behind... Because he's taken so much speed into turn one, as they head down into turn two... He's actually got his front wheels alongside Hamilton's rear wheels. Yeah. At that point, Max Verstappen should have backed out because it's no longer his corner at turn two. What, of course, he actually does is tries to get the car to the apex as quickly as possible to try and make it his corner. Now, there's a lot more, obviously, to this incident, of course, that I feel like a lot of people forget almost between... Because, let's be fair... There's a much bigger picture between Hamilton and Verstappen. Because they haven't really fought this year, it's kind of been forgotten about. But there is an almighty grudge match going on behind the scenes between these two. Yeah, they do not get on. Because what's basically happened, of course, over the last few years, is Verstappen has gone in with a similar mentality to what Ayrton Senna used to do. Which was, he will put the car in a position where it's up to you to decide whether you're having a crash or not. Yeah. Now that yeah. means that pretty much every other driver on the grid will back out in that situation, yeah. doesn't it? Lewis did that at the start of last year, at Imola and Spain most notably, mm-hmm. and then kind of realised, why on earth should I do this anymore? Because he's just going to do it every time. So since then, whether it's made sense or not for Lewis, he's basically known he cannot back out with Max because Max will simply never do it for him is that all fair I think so yeah I think because I th- sometimes obviously the big one was Silverstone where like yeah the two big ones were was... Silverstone and Monza weren't they really yeah yeah where like either driver could have avoided it but because yeah. one driver was going for the move it was probably slightly more on them yes yeah exactly exactly now again of course you know I think a lot of people kind of forget about this but there is so much psychology behind Mm. racing drivers of course when they're acting on instinct and things like that a lot of it has got to be automatic they've got to retrain their brains in these situations and you have to believe that you're better than the other driver i remember i I heard something from david coulthard like what back when he was teammates with hackenden he going into like 2000 2001 even he genuinely had to convince himself and did convince himself that he was he can Still be better than Hakkinen. Yeah. Yeah, because if you're you'd going in without that mentality, you're just going to get trounced. There's no point being there. If you don't believe you're the best, mm. there's no point being there at Formula 1 at the end of the day. 
Now, again, obviously, we, we haven't seen this much this year between Lewis and Max, but Lewis knows full well, going into turn two, he has to close that door on Verstappen. Yeah. Obviously, Verstappen has come out after the Grand Prix saying that he just put the car there. It didn't matter for him. It cost him five seconds, which is not true because he had to pit. Um, <laughs> but it cost Hamilton a race victory. This is something, of course, that Verstappen did last year at Monza as well because he knew that the Merc was faster that weekend. Sometimes he still will put his car in a situation where he knows there's going to be a crash unless the other driver backs out. With most drivers, that's going to work. Hamilton knows full well every time they are in a wheel-to-wheel battle, whether it's this year, last year, in the future, any potential championship fight they're going to have again, they are going to keep colliding. Yeah, is, and until the, and one of is, them backs down, which I don't which think will happen. Really. Neither of them can anymore. This is the problem, I no. think, that a lot of people have got to understand. Neither of those two drivers, if they're going wheel-to-wheel into a corner anymore, can back out. Unless, no. unless you know your other circumstances where one of them's got a big championship lead or something like this. Yeah. Which, again, you'd then believe Max Verstappen would back out of it. But, of course, the title's wrapped up. From his side of things, he's thinking, I don't care. Yeah, I've um, already won it. Who, who, who cares? <laughs> yeah. It's really, really difficult. But at the end of the day, it's kind of that weird thing, isn't it? Of, that won't be the last time they crash. But no, apart no. from just giving them normal penalties... You can't really do anything about it either. No. It's almost bigger than the stewards, their feud. Because, like, all the stewards do is take an instant at the surface level and give an appropriate They penalty. can't base it on driver psychology no, or anything no. like that. And this is the thing at the end of the day. Because, no. again, you know, the only drivers that refused to back out with Senna were the likes of Alan Prost, who obviously was able to keep battling with him for championships. Yeah, you know, yeah. every other driver pretty much is pushed to the side in those situations, and and this is why I really want another Hamilton Verstappen title battle, just just because it'd be good crack, really. <laughs> it would be absolutely insane. Again, uh, I'm not sure how well I'd be able to cope with it. My poor heart, but <laughs> it is. It's kind of that thing, isn't it? Of it's it's fantastic sport up to a certain point, but sometimes you just want to go to both of them. You, it's almost like you need the FIA to really come down hard. You want to bash us together, really, and say, stop. This is, yeah, it, it's kind of got to be that thing of, say, for example, let's say next year we end up in another situation like 2021, where they're, they're in an all out championship scrap. Say six races from the end, of the, in some hypothetical words, six races from the end of the year, Hamilton and Verstappen do that again at Brazil. Whoever you appoint the blame to, you want to say, if you two come together like that, you're out of the championship. We are not having you two constantly doing this over and over and over. Whether it'll actually make a difference or not is a very different question. And also, the but FIA there is not so got... much at play between these they two. They wouldn't do that. They wouldn't well. do <laughs> that. No, absolutely. But it's the only ever way they can put a stop to this because it will yeah. just happen every single time. I don't. I don't know if they want to put a stop to it. It causes so many moments that people talk about. It's like they just it's maybe they just want to let the world burn. Like, it's kind of that difficult thing, isn't it? Because again, you know, a lot of people go, "Oh, well, Verstappen has been able to race cleanly with everyone else this year." It's quite clear who's the out. problem. <laughs> everyone else backs out. Hamilton has been able to race cleanly, with the exception of the incident with Alonso, 
Hamilton's been able to race cleanly. They have beef as well. They have beef. But again, we look back at brilliant battles last year. One of the best battles of last season was Alonso and Hamilton at Hungary. Yeah. It was Hamilton, like, again, we. Hamilton misjudged it at Belgium. We can completely admit that. Even as a Hamilton fan, I'd say he, he messed mm-hmm. up. He made a mistake. 300 races in, it's bound to happen from time to time. <laughs> His first mistake, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's But the older drivers, like, uh, again, Formula 1 reposted this clip earlier on in the week, didn't they, of Kimi and Schumacher battling at uh, oh. Brazil. The, yeah. We have got ourselves into an issue now in Formula 1, and I know we've spoken about this before countless times, where we won't get battles like that anymore because that's not what the drivers are brought up and shown to do anymore. No, we and are going to get more. The problem was the FAA crashes. didn't didn't come down hard on the staff in 2015. Yeah, the, exactly. It all problem, stemmed from there. When you had all the other drivers that are now coming into Formula One that were in F3 or F4 or GP2 at the yeah, time, watching Verstappen rinse the midfield by doing moves like that. Exactly. Which but, yes, were very exciting because before that F1 hadn't seen anything like it before. Because there was now a lot that's more all respect. We get. Yeah, that's all we get. And when you have one driver out of 19 doing it, it's quite entertaining. When but you have soon enough, it's 15 be, out of 20, yeah, most of them. it's like suddenly you're just having crashes that could be avoided. Yeah. But shall we get back onto the topic? Because I, don't, I feel like I've not said a word about the actual incident. Uh, well, you were agreeing with me. You're basically right, unfortunately. As um, always. Knowing I, do right. think, I do think... Yeah, both of them could have avoided it. But because Verstappen was going for the move, it's kind of his responsibility to not crash. Yes. But yeah, neither was obviously going to back out. It was unfortunate. Verstappen, I, I think penalty is a little harsh, but it was always going to happen. It, obviously it needed to be done, didn't race. it? Yeah. And I think this is the, yeah. of course, Verstappen's come out afterwards saying that it didn't really matter for him and it did for Lewis. That, especially obviously with everything else that went on that Grand Prix, it was quite clear that Verstappen knew he'd probably made a bit of a cock up in that yeah, moment yeah. and probably he knows the thing is again of course he knows that wasn't the right thing to do but you cannot admit that either no no because obviously he's not going to go and say oh i made a mistake sorry yeah, lewis exactly <laughs> that's never going to happen this is just the weirdly toxic kind of spiral this has turned into and it it, yeah, it just yeah. won't ever probably get better and i mean obviously hamilton said after the race as well of course he knows what max is like <laughs> it's going to keep happening but We've just, just kind of, them back we've the front just again. kind of got to happen. It doesn't happen too much. I want twenty twenty three to be an absolute mess of it them two battling for It could be an absolute spice fest again, but it is certainly a dangerous sort of preface, isn't it? Because again, I just think course, if we get if we get one more season of them two going for a title, this will be a defining era of Formula One. Like, it arguably already is, but I think if you get one more, it'll be like a Senna Prost level rivalry. I think it already is. I think only having one proper championship season like that, it's a bit like. I think the, I don't know, the like, problem it's the next is stage down well, of that. course, was the way it was tarnished last year. Yeah. Because, of course, when Senna and Prost came to blows a couple of times, that was all on themselves. Apart from the FA it. handing Prost the championship, but. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like the the actual collisions came from themselves um but again i think this is the horrible thing as well of course you know for me this obviously watched hamilton since he came to the sport 15 years ago you know Oof. he he doesn't race anyone else like that but people only remember these battles now don't they because mm. again you know we always remember the the crashes or the incidents things like that 
Hamilton, with pretty much any other driver on the grid, is generally pretty... I'd argue he's still in that group of four or five drivers that is pretty respectful still. He'll push yeah. you, but he won't push you over the limit. He has to Apart with Max. with Rosberg. I wouldn't even say with Rosberg there was any particularly moments like this. I there weren't say. moments like that, but that's because Rosberg just got pushed around until he just stopped getting pushed around. You mean stopped racing in Formula 1? But I wouldn't even well. say it was. It was nothing. It was never really like that, though, was it? Particularly. Oh, the, even there, was, there the were three in a row. Had... There were three in a row in 2015 where every time Hamilton just pushed him off at turn one. Yeah. And he knew what he was doing, and it was just not really on, but he got away with it. But they weren't massive contact or anything. No, Hamilton just ushered him over the white line into some grass or gravel. It wasn't grass <laughs> or gravel, was it? At Japan, it was. USA just forced him yeah, wide. Yeah, USA just forced him wide. Japan, I don't actually genuinely remember, to be honest. How, uh, Rosberg on pole, Hamilton second. Was it Hamilton at turn two? Turn one. Yes, yeah, at turn two. I do remember that. Two. Sorry, yeah, yeah. And the third one? Yeah. There was one, whatever race was before Japan. I can't... It was three races in a row at the end of 2015. Um, potentially Russia. I can't remember which race it was. Um, but yeah, okay. it was... It's in the past. <laughs> yeah. Right. Anyway, that's that's our big sort of because I mean this was probably one of the big talking points of the race and sort of bigger picture as well, wasn't it? Yeah. I yeah. uh, kind of navigated. Let's let's get back on then to the safety car restart. Of course, <laughs> that incident happens down at turn two, and then bless him, Lando Norris kills Charles Leclerc <laughs> turn six. I mm, I feel for Lando in that he clipped the inside curb and made a mistake. It wasn't. It was kind of mm. one of those horrible incidents that you know was worse because of where it was but yeah. it was still his error it was yeah slightly unfortunately but slightly it was like, entirely mate well, even as a Lando entirely. fan it was entirely bless him on yeah it. so that was what battling for third at the time yes um, on the restart yeah and yeah that left what Sebastian Vettel in third place for a bit I believe very was briefly can we yeah. quickly mention how Leclerc didn't retire from that incident yeah that like the yeah. fact that because like, I was watching it with my mum, my sister, and my sister's boyfriend, and he went, I think Charles still going. I think I just saw him in the background. And I was like, there's no <laughs> way we're going to cut back to that Ferrari with its front suspension destroyed. And then suddenly <laughs> he was just there racing. Yeah, yeah. I think he actually scrubbed off a lot of the speed in the spin, but it's still amazing that he didn't lose a wheel. It was just the fact he hit it completely square, hit it square on. on. Like the mm. front wings at the moment, like if you hit a wall, like Hamilton at Singapore. If you hit a wall completely square on like that, it's not actually that bad normally. But it's just if you hit it at anything more than about Any five angle, degrees, yeah. then it just destroys the car. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Leclerc carried on, dropped to last. So that was what Verstappen and Leclerc battling through the field for the yep. rest of the race. Hamilton was... as well was down back into P8 yeah. like yeah. he was in the sprint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it left... Uh, well, Russell was kind of just driving off, which... Well, Perez was keeping up a... with him early on. Yeah. Yeah, there was a, a little bit of jeopardy. Unfortunately, this is a lot of the... Because I watched a shortened version of the highlights in Channel 4. This is a lot of the part of the race they cut out, so I have no real clue the, what happened. There was kind of... Mm, there was a lot going on, but none of it was particularly exciting. Because, of course, we just kind of had cars shuffling themselves around and getting into, into the, the order. order. And then, of course, been, yeah. we just had Max Leclerc... Um, and obviously Hamilton trying to carve their way back through. I guess the other interesting thing that was going on was strategy, of course, because Hamilton was able to extend his first set of soft tyres to the end of lap 30. He got about, I think it was seven or eight laps longer uh, than George and Sainz. Um, but it kind of then was begging the question of were Merck going to try and one-stop Hamilton? Of course, it didn't really make any difference at the end of the day, 
But they brought Hamilton in before George for his second stop, I think because they were worried about potentially accidentally screwing George on the wrong strap. And I think, was it Science or Perrot? I think it was Science who pit early. Yeah, he had to pit earlier because of his brakes. Yeah, but they... Well, that's what they told Hamilton, was that they were scared of the undercut from Science. But I don't think that was really the case. Yeah, yeah. It seemed like Mercedes wanted to let both their drivers have a fair shot at it, but they didn't want to give either of them a different fair shot at it. A massively different strategy, which we saw from Mercedes all through the Hamilton-Rosberg era. Yeah, it, um, it, I can kind of understand it. You know, mm. there's no bigger picture here this weekend. It was kind of, we want one of our cars to win. Let's just try and get both cars. Safe, and, you know, we, and I think especially, obviously, by the end of the Grand Prix, you kind of think fair play to Mercedes for not trying to create a rivalry within the team either. Uh, mm. Because they're, they're going to be one of very few teams next year that goes in with not much beef. Yeah, genuinely, what? There'll be six teams, probably, I think, that have something bad happening. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I mean, we kind of yeah, we, we nothing really exciting happened until lap fifty two, was it? Where suddenly out of nowhere, Lando Norris's car just shuts off. Yeah, because he's in my team. He uh he had a mechanical failure. Of course, so you, um, so you that's screwed how it him. Goes. Yeah, um, at least two of my five retire every week. Um, so yeah, that it was. I don't understand why it took the FAA so long to put a safety car out for that. To be honest. Because originally they, off... they could have just... I looked at that originally and went, that should be a virtual safety car. Because you'd yeah. think they'd just be able to wheel that car away. But they tried, They kept under double-wave yellows for a, a decent amount of time. Like, I think it's because they wanted out. Lando to get out and away from the car, uh, first yeah. of all. Yeah, maybe that's fair enough then. But, yeah, did he leave it in gear or was it because it was on a hill or something that they I couldn't roll it? I think it was a hydraulics failure, so it wouldn't come oh, out okay. of gear. Yeah, so it took a while to get rid of it. Um... But that was a safety car. Everyone, well, basically everyone, pit apart from Perez because he'd recently pit for mediums and going to the end. I'm not sure he had, did he have any softs left. I don't. Th- Probably uh, not. No, because he doubled soft early on, I think. Yeah. So yeah, Perez kind yeah. of got screwed in all of that. Yeah, so he was up to second, I think, but on those medium tyres. Um, with Russell still leading. Hamilton third and the two Ferraris Leclerc just somehow appeared in fifth place after being wingless at the start um, and yeah weirdly Sonoda was kind of left out to dry yeah. uh, by the FIA it, they, so this was what I'd read now I, I, it wasn't from a credible source so I, I can't guarantee that it was accurate so what basically I've established this weekend Jamie was after obviously Abu Dhabi last year we just can't escape Abu Dhabi last year um, what the FIA have done is turned it into an automated system now for lap traffic. So apparently what happened... Now, I'm not saying this is a valid excuse, but apparently what happened was because Yuki Pitt, he was then ahead of the safety car, but then obviously boxed and came back out behind it. So apparently the system thought he'd unlapped himself when obviously he quite clearly hadn't. Yeah. And surely, still, you should be able to override said system, and still, because and let's be message, fair, yeah. letting lapped cars unlap themselves should not be rocket science in Formula One. No. It should not be that difficult to get all the cars on the same lap in the correct order. Even co-masters can get that right. Normally, yes. Actually, maybe they can't. I I'm don't actually sure. think. No, you can't unlap yourself no, on you, the safety cars no, you can't anymore. Yourself, can you? Never mind. So I, yeah. <laughs> Maybe they got co-masters to implement their system into real life, which is why it doesn't work. Um, <laughs> oh, Jamie, I, I don't agree with you on um, that one. This is, Matt's views are not 
shared by me. No. That's only my opinion. <laughs> um, and that is a joke for legal reasons. But yes, what were we saying? Sonoda, yeah, was never, just never announced himself, which is really bizarre. Because, yeah, even if the system doesn't work, well, firstly, make a better system. Secondly, just overrule it. As well, he said. Just let him go through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I guess by that point, of course, there have been so much community. I mean, let's be fair. We were under safety car and well, VSC slash safety car for nine laps. By this mm. point, this had already gone so badly. I think the FIA were kind of there, like, right, I'm sorry, Sonoda, you're taking the short straw here and you're just having <laughs> your last ten laps ruined by our own incompetence. <laughs> because, I mean, that yeah. should have been a five-lap safety car. I get that they had issues getting Lando's car off the circuit, but that should have come in and out a whole lot quicker than it did. Because it looked like they were moving Lando's car about halfway around the circuit for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were just trying to get down the hill to the next nearest. It was yeah. a bit daft. It's just because Brazil's but such a weird layout. Because it's it, also... then, uh, As Hamilton Twitter fans would have you know, that that completely voids the result from that point. Oh, onwards. yes, of course. Um, yeah, so we Paul take George the result from George Russell from doesn't get 51. the win. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine trying to come up with that hashtag. Avoid lap 52, lap 53, lap 54. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, there was there was a subtle bit of irony there, wasn't there? Um, but it's completely different. Yeah, completely, it wasn't, of course. It wasn't like they only let one. Actually, no, maybe it was the same. <laughs> Did what other what other cars lapped? Uh, Latifi. Yeah, well, well, that that does void lap fifty three. Then there we go. <laughs> the Brazilian Grand Prix, George Russell. If you only get let one, win. you let one lap driver through and not the rest. Yeah. That's outrageous. Exactly. Yuki Sonoda deserves. Bless him. Yeah. Where are you going to finish that then? I don't know. I don't know. Just right. Absolute restart then. What I can't. I what actually happened? Right. Race restart. I mean, Sergio Perez just goes backwards. Kind of was the big thing, wasn't it? And let's be yeah. fair. The main talking point between them and the end all kicked off on lap sixty-seven. George Russell's dominated away again. Hamilton's keeping fairly close to him, but not really able to apply any pressure. Um, and we've got Sainz P three, Leclerc P four after both on the jump checker. Perez Alonso then of all people, goes past Sergio. And on lap 67, he gets the call to let Verstappen buy, so Verstappen can try and jump Charles Leclerc up the and road. Alonso first. And Alonso, but they're not really worried about him. They're just worried about Charles Leclerc. Mm. Um, and by the end of lap 71, Max doesn't let Checo back past. Where... Well, I want to hear your opinion on this first. We well, should have let him back past. I think the the problem is we kind of need to explain the the bigger context behind this, don't we? Now, I actually did a video, Jamie, on my second channel earlier on discussing this, um, just as a bit of a a, pref a preface to Knowing Wheel tonight. Now, this really actually starts in Abu Dhabi last year. Okay. Well, when Perez helps Verstappen to the championship. So Perez holds up Lewis Hamilton for what about? Was it 11 or 12 seconds in the space of three laps yeah. for Max Verstappen? Yeah. The quote, Checo is a legend. Without <laughs> Sergio Perez doing that, Verstappen wouldn't have been world champion last year because no, Hamilton would no, have had the gap to come in, box, fresh set of tyres, would have walked away from Verstappen off that restart like he'd pretty much done all afternoon. Well, Verstappen could have just sent it and killed them both. Yeah, and then would have been would disqualified, have disqualified and wouldn't have won the championship. <laughs> so Perez literally, like, you're not going to argue this as a Verstappen fan, he actually won Verstappen that world championship that As last did Antonio year. Giovinazzi for retiring with the Of DLC. course. Of course. <laughs> then, we move into 2022. Early on in the year, I think there's already a bit of tension bubbling up at Red Bull. Of course, they both retire in Bahrain Sergio then gets pole in Jeddah. 
Verstappen, I imagine, is immediately not happy because I'm the number one in this team. You've got to make the Probably car suit me. confused more than anything. Confused yeah. as well, but unhappy. Of course, Checo gets screwed in Jeddah. Max gets the win. It kind of gets brushed under the rug a little bit, doesn't it? We mm. then get to Spain. Now, this is the one that I think everyone's forgotten about. Of course, it didn't really make any difference in the actual race overall. But early on in that Grand Prix, if you remember, Jamie, of course, we saw Verstappen and Sainz spin quite early on in the race. Mm -hmm. Then Perez is quicker than Verstappen for quite a few laps because they're on different strategies. Checo begs with the team to let him pass, and they tell him they that don't no. Let him. Yeah. Of course, at the end of the day, Verstappen was on a quicker strategy anyway. He would have won the Grand Prix. It didn't make much difference. But it's understandable for Perez. He's annoyed at that point, the fact that we're early on in the championship. It's still not really clear that Verstappen has got a big advantage over Checo. Checo is hanging mm. on pretty well with him for pace early on in the year. Then we get to Monaco, where, of course, this is kind of what's come out now. Where Perez deliberately crashes in qualifying. Well, just remember, this was only confirmed by Dutch media. It's been repeated <laughs> around the rest of the place. Now, I'm not saying whether it's true or false necessarily, but it was only confirmed by Dutch media, and that's where everyone is believing that it's suddenly immediately true. Tom Coronel, I would argue, is not a credible source, personally. He's, he used to follow me on Twitter. He, did use, he used to follow everyone on Twitter. He also, <laughs> if I remember correctly, uh, during a World Touring Car event at the Nürburgring, after he took pole position... Turns out he had his phone with him and filmed a selfie and filmed a video whilst going around the track. Which, let's be fair, if someone did that in Formula 1, they would probably be banned for life for doing. <laughs> I don't know. Mark Webber took his helmet off during a race. And he was given a penalty for it. Which he never served. Never but served, but still. <laughs> so Jensen Button still got a penalty when he comes back to yeah, Formula 1. It just mm. happens from time to time. I, I've watched that footage back today. It's not good for Checo, don't get me wrong, <laughs> but because Monaco is such a weird circuit, I do genuinely believe that a lot more weird stuff can happen in your driving style around that venue. Whether it, Honestly, for me, looking at it, whether it was Checo thought he was going to hit the inside wall, blasted the power just quickly to push the front end out away from the apex, and then, of course, looped it round... But of course, people are going, well, he didn't try to save it or anything like that. What difference does trying to save the car at Monaco? <laughs> You're hitting a wall one way or another. I don't genuinely believe, because let's not also forget, Checo was in P3 at that point of qualifying. He wasn't on pole. Yeah. What does he really gain by beating Max to P3? P3? P P no, he was P3. Was it Sainz had already got... Leclerc was fastest at the moment, and Sainz was quicker than him as well. Perez is only trying to lock himself P3 away from Verstappen, <laughs> which seems pretty pointless. I don't understand. Yeah. I don't genuinely believe, for me, in any rational world, why Perez would deliberately crash there. And I don't genuinely believe Perez is the kind of person that would deliberately crash there either. Because if he wanted to do that, he would have done a Rosberg from a couple of years earlier. And not damaged the car, yeah. And not damaged so the Rosberg car, or not ran the risk so. of damage in the car. Rosberg braked 50 metres too late <laughs> into a braking zone that was 100 metres long. I'm sorry, Jamie, <laughs> I do not buy that. But then again, well, I completely the understand. Did, then, so we move. Exactly. Then you can genuinely, like, I, want, I want a piece of honesty from you for a second. You cannot believe Rosberg did that accidentally. I think he was very clever in the way that he did it. That does it not like answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> he was incredibly smart 
I mean, it worked for him that weekend. I'll, I'll credit where yeah, it's due. It did. Um, but that was pretty much then when the relationship died between those two, wasn't it? And Hamilton <laughs> made that very clear. Of course, the rest of the year goes off pretty quietly. Verstappen dominates. Obviously, the car after about Azerbaijan was very clearly working for Verstappen far more than Sergio. He dominates even in the Baku, world cycle. The... Even in Baku, by Baku, Perez, yeah. Perez got no Perez got pole and then had to let Verstappen through for the win, even as a one-two. Yes. Yeah. So there's more team orders there. Exactly, against Perez. In Verstappen's favour, yeah. Yeah, so really then, of course, it's kind of all forgotten about. I don't understand from Verstappen's side of things why at the end of the year, when you've got it all wrapped up, Red Bull have never had a 1-2 in the Constructors' Championship, Verstappen's not going to look back in five years and go, wow, I'm so happy I finished P6 in Brazil. The only reason he did that was because he knew he'd get protection from the team and it was a really childish and, to be honest, I think for Verstappen, far more damaging than it ever will be for Checo. Because, let's be fair, P2 in the championship doesn't really matter that much. No, not at if all. If you're worlds away... F1's doing a huge the, thing about it. There's, there's no money for it. All it really matters for Checo is maybe down the line he's going to be able to get some more sponsors and they can hype him up as runner-up to his teammate. Red Bull get their first ever 1-2 overall at the end of the year. And maybe it's good for Verstappen at the negotiating table in a couple of years' time where he goes, well, I did everything I could in that car. I beat every other car still <laughs> that year. Verstappen gains nothing from this. He just potentially gets now a teammate that next year won't help him and won't move out of the way as much. Yeah, yeah. I think the the daft thing is really, like, I don't know at what point, but I can't, I didn't, it wasn't in the highlights that I watched, but what corner of what where where was it that Perez let Verstappen through up to turn one he gave him the inside line into the first corner was it as clear as day so it was I know it's a team order but like had they just not given a team order they had given the team order anyway I know they had oh sorry if they hadn't given the team order had they not yeah then Verstappen would have passed him maybe a lap later so in that case probably to be fair yeah in that case Verstappen then just drives off and finishes sixth with no controversy controversy but even then I mean the same thing happened in the sprint though didn't it where Perez yeah. was behind Verstappen. Why don't you just... Because, I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? Let's, let's not beat around the bush here. Verstappen threw his toys out the pram. He'd had a terrible Grand Prix weekend when it didn't really matter anymore. And he just knew nothing bad's going to happen behind the scenes from the he team. He wanted to make a point, I think. But what point was he trying yeah, to well, make? I don't know what point. It just yeah, seemed stubborn just and to... short-sighted and... Mm just honestly downright stupid from Verstappen it was it was very dumb yeah I think every like every world champion has points in their career where they make unwise decisions um Fernando Alonso has quite a lot most of Alonso's career choosing choosing what team to go to usually (laughs) um yeah I think he'll probably look back on this end of his career and regret it a bit a bit like Seb with Malaysia 2013 um but yeah, it is what it is. I think at the end of the day, it won't it won't define either of their careers. I don't think. Um, um, but it's just I it's just Verstappen being a bit a bit yeah plebish to his teammate. Yeah. But then every world champion's ruthless. I think it's not that. Surprising there's a difference though, isn't there? You know, there's a difference between like again. I think obviously. Well, Pete... Hungary 2014, Hamilton cost the team a win by not giving his teammate a. Shot. But again, this is the horrible balance, isn't it? Of course, because that one actually made. There's like, a championship massive. on the line there, and again, yeah. you know, the other example that people are using is Hungary 2017, where Hamilton let Bottas through, even though I think he was still behind Seb in the championship, wasn't he? At that point, he was. Yeah. 
there's there's a difference between you know your world champions like your Hamiltons and yeah champions like your Schumachers or your Verstappens. <laughs> yeah. And even then, yeah. Indianapolis, 2002, whether Schumacher meant to or not, let rumours Barrichello by, he did give him back the win. It yeah. just... I mean, it's like Sebastian Vettel in 2013, but I feel like Verstappen's got even more of a wrap around that team. Because let's be fair, if we end up in some world next year where Perez is on pace with Verstappen, which to me is unlikely, this, we aren't certainly going to see Sergio Perez now be a championship threat next year against Max Verstappen. He's not fast enough. No. But what we might find, on the other hand, is Verstappen's now got a teammate that won't cooperate with him, and if he needs another Abu Dhabi, he's screwed. And rightfully yeah, so, happen. because you've got to keep yeah. your friends close in Formula 1. He you, has just kind of made an enemy. You don't no make many friends on a Formula 1 race. You've got to keep the ones that you get on with very, very close, because let's be fair, mm. Verstappen, I would prob- I can't genuinely think, of course, apart from the Alpha Towers having to get out of the way, I can't genuinely think of anyone else that would help him in any situation. Lando, I think, would back him. I think like Lando always gets on very well. Mm, yeah, I suppose Lando, Lando is probably yeah well, the only one. That's why he should replace Perez. But, let's be fair, if Perez does start mucking around next year and actually fighting for himself, all they're going to do is promote DeFreeze up and just have another pushover <laughs> and just the Dutch super Dutch team. teammate, yeah, yeah. It, Verstappen loses nothing Red by Bull this, and I think Verstappen that's what's has so annoying. Power, yeah. I mean, I don't really care, to be honest. I think it's a bit childish. It's a bit not very... It like, just again, it's not chivalrous at all. Like we spoke it's about just, with Hamilton and Verstappen, it just, for me, takes a little bit of the integrity and sort of the respect away from the sport. It's not, it's not sportsman-like. No. No. It, but then I, I do... I feel for him a slight bit because the team could have just not stepped in for Stappen would have passed him and there you go that's it but the, but the only reason the team did step all in all the time in Verstappen's yeah. favour as well yeah yeah I don't know it's a weird one I don't I don't my opinion of Verstappen has not really changed he's always been this kind of uh, again I think we yeah. uh, this is the thing isn't it like if you like Verstappen for these sort of things it doesn't make any difference yeah. if you dislike Verstappen for sort of things you dislike him even more it's pretty simple yeah. At the end of the day. Um, yeah and unfortunately though of course all of this controversy and everything like that kind of made George Russell's first ever Formula 1 win slightly less sort of the big thing it absolutely and I mean it still is obviously a very very big thing but it kind of did take away a little bit of the shimmer from it didn't it bless him because that mm. has been four years of utter pain and misery for George Russell up to now. <laughs> Bahrain 2020. Yeah. Three years in a Williams when, let's be fair, he probably could have done a Charles Leclerc and been promoted up to help Hamilton in 2020. Definitely, yeah. It, but and he it must have been painful to see his like F2 rivals like getting shots in top, team, top teams yeah. way quicker than he got when yeah. he trounced everyone in f2 when he was there exactly um but fair play to him very like it was actually a really composed race like it you, gave me you know what it reminded of me of i, I really hope 2017 oh it was gonna say a different race to me i was gonna, gonna say? say honestly that win reminded me of hamilton's first win safety cars yeah, yeah. a lot of stuff going on and just cool calm Kept composed and yeah. just stayed at the front all day long yeah and i think like when you look back at well, Canada's 07 or Malaysia 017, which was Verstappen's second win. Um, you kind of look back and think, oh, that's that happens a lot more now. <laughs> yeah. And like at the time, it was quite surprising that like Malaysia 17, Verstappen basically just dominated after taking the lead. Um, 
not like yeah and this this race russell always had in his pocket it felt like yeah and yeah it was kind of surprising because it's his first win that he was that composed yeah but i think we'll look back in five years time and be like oh he does that all the time <laughs> quite probably we'll probably be like probably. why are we even excited he's got about 50 wins exactly exactly <laughs> i mean let's be fair we we all know how good of a driver george russell is and of course we i mean it did make me chuckle the fact i said literally last week that he's probably gonna have a quiet last few grand prix and finish sixth every week and immediately yeah, he goes and yeah. dominates he goes and, wins. and wins a sprint your weekend. predictions summed up for the whole it pretty much is isn't it in a nutshell but i'm really happy for the lad bless him i mean he will take yeah, over the mercedes yeah. gauntlet when hamilton goes it's also good because we now i mean we knew already but british motorsport was in very safe hands George oh, Russell, yeah. Lando Norris, and I'm still going to put Albon in that group, even though he's racing under a Thai license. Um, you know, all three of those drivers are and Brit Ferrari coming through and Brit well. Ferrari as well. I was going to tag you in that earlier on, um, but <laughs> why? What's he done? I didn't, I didn't he's going that. up to Formula Two next year with Prima. Oh, great. Ollie Beerman, we That's mean by that. If you don't get the reference, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> but George Russell finally a first Grand Prix victory there. A couple of seconds ahead of Hamilton at the line. Mercedes get a one-two out of nowhere. Sainz Leclerc third and fourth ahead of Alonso, and then Alonso beat both Red Bulls just as yeah. you do. And then and he Ocon seventeenth. Ocon, Bottas, Jamie, where's Bottas and Alfa Romeo aren't scoring any more points this year? Thank you very much. P nine, two more points I was basing on the board. It, I was basing it off the two thousand nine scoring system. Okay, uh, and then stroll <laughs> in at P ten there. Yeah, was, uh, an interesting Grand Prix in the end. Driver of the day, Jamie. <laughs> uh, I'll go for your favourite driver, um, Fernando Alonso. Fair play, he absolutely deserves to be in that show. <laughs> I, he didn't put a foot wrong on Sunday. Balls himself up Saturday, but. 17th to 5th, you can never argue, isn't a very, very good result. And I I actually put him in my um, contention for driver of the day as well. Uh, but yeah. because you've said Alonso, I am going to say George Russell. Yeah, fair play. He was the other one that was up there. Exactly. Um, Hamilton yeah, as well, quality. I think, deserves a shout out. 8th to 2nd, well, 8th to 3rd and then 8th to 2nd after the contact early on. Um, and then, yeah, you know, Sainz as well. Double podium for yeah. him. Very, yeah, really very good solid. Weekend. Um, but... Yeah, I think there's been a lot to discuss there, hasn't there? And we've we've still yeah, got quite a bit. F1 fantasy to go through. Yeah. Um, what actually quickly though? What are we rating that Grand Prix now? I think really the question is, Jamie, was it better than Silverstone, or was it just right underneath it as the second best race of the year? I've I'm not even sure. I I don't know. Everyone was gassed up. Maybe it's I kind of I explained to Matt before the show. I wasn't watching live. I I was at work. I forgot to turn off my notifications when the race started. That always so ruins a race. That I always saw, ruins a race if you don't watch I it I saw live. that people... It doesn't for me if I turn off my notifications. No, so if I'm you don't turn off notifications, that's yeah. fine. But if you know the result, it completely ruins but the But I didn't know the result, but I knew that Verstappen and Hamilton crashed. Right, okay. Um, at that point, I turned my notifications off. So kind of took the, the shine off the race for me. But it was enjoyable, definitely. But it was definitely worse than Silverstone for me. Yeah. Silverstone for me still is race of the year, but I think I'm going to give that nine out of ten. Silverstone was a nine and a half. I'll give it eight and a half. Fair enough. I think there was another race that I rated. I I can't remember which one it was now. It must have been so good you can't remember it. USA was that good? I can't remember. Um, no, it was painful. USA was quite good. Um, I can't. Yeah, Uh, this year's just been a blur for me. There's been so many races. It's been just a (laughs) wild year in so many ways, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, but luckily, of course, you know, we we actually now get a proper three month winter where we can really sort of go back through and digest everything, haven't we? 
on yeah. the show as well. Get the race highlights playlist on. Yes. Uh, F1 Fantasy then, Jamie. Mm. How well? And someone forgot to use their Mega Driver. I on did the forget to saying. use my Mega Driver, but to They've be honest, it probably wasn't a bad Austria. thing. Um, because, of course, Verstappen didn't have a really good weekend, and I will say now I would have given him my Mega Driver. Yeah, yeah. So, obviously, it's higher scoring than usual because there's more points available on a sprint race. Um, I really hope I outscored you. I didn't do great. I did okay. Um, my points for the weekend were 215. <gasps> it's happened! What did you get? 237! Oh, you might. Wow, that's a big big gain. You might have got into the top 1k in your own league. I hope so. I actually had, on paper, quite a quietly very good weekend in the end. So I stuck it out with Sykes as my turbo, which was in the yeah, end a pretty wise here. choice. 86 points he netted me. Um, That's one you could have gone for, I think. Verstappen and Perez uh, scored me 13-29. Not great for the money, but let's be fair, you, it was always going to be a big gamble to go anywhere else. I also had Alonso, Bottas, and Alpine, which after Saturday, I was looking, well, after Friday night with Bottas, <laughs> I was screwed, and then after Saturday, I was even more screwed. Um, but, you know, Alonso did a fantastic race, and Alpine managed to get both cars back into the points. We did completely forget to mention after the sprint race that Alonso's car caught fire, um, which kind of just summed Ocon. up... Ocon's car. Yeah, sorry, who did I say? Alonso. Sorry, uh, both out. Well, yeah, o Ocon, uh, his car caught fire, uh, which kind of just summed up Alpine's year, didn't it? Going great, <laughs> and then just an explosion. Um, it, yeah. it would be so Alpine for McLaren next weekend to somehow bring it back from yeah. the dead yeah. and outscore him. Ricardo but... wins. Oh, <laughs> don't. Don't. I'm back in the top 1,000 of our league, though, Jamie. Oh, well done. 4,504 of us involved, and I am 988th. I'm wow. hanging on by a thread at the moment. You're doing great. Where did you score in Brazil? Overall in your league? Overall in my league. Uh, 14.02 I was 859th which well, I will take shall I do a job. top 10 rundown of the week or do you want to do a week and I'll do overall you, you do the week I'll do the run. week then Go far grid 3 <laughs> 449 what? points is that real mega driving Russell what, what a baller <laughs> He mega driving Russell had Sainz, Perez, Alonso, and Albon with Mercedes. That has got to be the height. That check on the global league. That has got to be the That's most points the I've ever seen ever. ever in this. That is, fair play to Farhad there. That is mental. Four hundred forty nine points. He's probably brought himself right towards the top of the league if he's been here since the start. He's actually not the highest scorer. I mean, what was the most anyone scored in the world? <laughs> Four, five, two. So what difference Which, was there then? What, uh, I'm guessing he had someone other than Albon. He had Bottas. Ah, there we go then. Yeah. There we go. Um, yeah. But yeah, Mevin K, 50 points back with Toto was there, 399. Ross T, uh, 392 ahead of a Nilupa D. Uh, in P4. Farhad again, just getting both teams into the top 10 quite casually. <laughs> uh, at Sabalo, F1 team number three with Ionis G on 375. They're ahead of Nalupa D again on 362. Uh, Vladimir M, 357 ahead of Nick S and Ionis again. So yeah, quite a few teams there actually getting two cars into the top 10. Um, 350 points this week, Jamie. Would have landed you inside the top 10, but of course that was with Mega Driver. The best person without using their Mega Driver was Edward C, Return of the Mag, 
got 315 points. Uh, George Russell, Lewis Hamilton, Carlos Sainz, Lando Norris, Albon and Mercedes. Fair play to you as well, good Decent. sir. If you turboed Russell, 445 points would you have been yours. Sorry, if you mega drive Russell even. Oh, okay. <laughs> 445 um, points would have been yours. Yeah. So the top 10 overall, we've still got the boys who cried wolf. P1 with Bryce G, Larry T second, uh, Bartek M third, the Volvo 247 team global 20. That is the one to watch place. out for. Still with his mega. Um, still mega. Use it. I Use hope it he hasn't on... forgot about this. Who's even. I, would, I wouldn't even know. Probably Verstappen. I'd just be, go Verstappen. Be boring. Uh, Nihal V in fifth with Max T, who's had an absolute fall from grace in sixth oh, place. Oh, bless him. I do feel sorry um, for Max every almost time. Almost 100 points off the lead. Oh. The mega. I think he gave up after (laughs) Hamilton Mega at Spa, and I can't Uh, blame him. Nihir S in 7th, with Cancrone Racing Point in 8th, also with the Mega Driver left. And Anurag B in ninth with Kevin L in 10th place. You need 4,171 to get top 10. How many are you on overall, Jamie? 3,801. So you're exactly 200 ahead of me, so it's basically no chance I can outscore you by the end of the year. Unless, well... Someone scored 200 more than me this way, this race. Yeah, but that was also a sprint weekend. True. I mean, I would have been I 140 back it could with be no Mega Driver if I'd, to, if I'd Megaed who I was going to. So, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to go absolutely all out next weekend and go yeah, for the just most... Yeah, just rogue. Win it mega. Bin it. No, I'm not stupid. Um, Gaz is going to get race banned by the end of next weekend, so I wouldn't worry. He's going to look at that Alpine on fire in the Brazil pit lane and go, you know what, I'm not messing around with that. Um, our own predictions though Jamie we did terribly this week because let's be fair no one was expecting yeah. that who's predicting that um, Kevin Magnussen on pole get away I honestly thought you would for some reason but there we go I mean to be fair you, if you'd have told me like I'm not allowed to pick a top 6 driver I could you could have so the scores going into <laughs> this weekend were 66 to 47 I was already mathematically out of it uh, Jamie overall this week scored did I get zero. one or zero you zero. got zero nice. <laughs> I got one. <laughs> so I'm closing it back in. Uh, it's all over though. So yeah, 66 to 48 as we leave Brazil there. So there will be a rogue tweet on my Twitter account in the coming weeks. But I mean, this has been, I think, one of the longest shows we've done all year. And it's been action packed, hasn't it, Jamie? So much to talk about uh, this weekend. But who are you saying? No, we've already done Driver of the Day. Is there anything yeah, no else? Yeah. We haven't done quiz. No, we completely forgot about that. I'm so sorry. Where was that meant to go? We there was. Uh, we should have done it after. Well, I'm not going to give you a hint quickly. Oh great! But we should have done it, Jamie, after Friday, and I completely Ooh. forgot because you did such a beautiful segue. So, Jamie, hello. The quiz this week. There are currently eleven drivers in the. Well, they're not currently in Formula One. Most of them. There's eleven <laughs> drivers, Jamie. That have had exactly one pole position in Formula One since 1990. Can you have got one minute? You know, I was actually looking at this. I I don't remember it, but I was actually looking at this list this morning. You have got one minute um, starting now to name me those drivers. Okay, Magnussen, Hulkenberg. Yeah. Um, Sorry, let me just delete them. One pole. Exactly one pole. Signs? No. Nope, because Perez. Yep. Uh. Since 1990, it's gonna be some strange ones, isn't it? Um, You'd actually be surprised. You will have heard of all of these. Nope. He got more than one Irvine? pole. Nope. He got more than one pole. This is hard. This is really hard. It's uh, not oh, actually. Heidfeld, Kubica. Yep. Those are I two you should be getting. Yep. 
Kovalainen? Yep. Oof. Uh, As a Russell? Yep. Oh, yeah. Hungry, of course. Uh, who else is you good? you got four more to go. Ma I said Magnuson. Uh, one Five four. seconds. Oh, Three, that's, that's not gone well. Petrov? No, why did Petrov go? <laughs> when did Petrov? We would have remembered that. Especially when he kisses Eric Boulier on the podium. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that wasn't even his girlfriend. No, it wasn't. That was his it was just his agent or trainer, wasn't it? So, Jamie, you got seven out of 11 there. Three of these, you bad. will absolutely kick yourself. I, yeah. Now, before okay. we did the show, I thought Science only got one pole position as well, so I was worried that this list wasn't accurate. But then, of course, I remembered he's actually got three to his name. Three? Yep. It was a bit of a red herring, to be honest, the 1990, uh, because okay. there was actually only one driver prior to Nick Heidfeld's 20, 2005 European Grand Prix pole. There was only actually one driver before that that only got one pole, and that was actually in 1990. So, Great, so I wasn't going to get that one. Thierry Bootsen, who of course is pretty oh, much only remembered in Formula 1 because he hit someone and Schumacher got a drive. <laughs> no, that wasn't no, him. No, that wasn't. Was it? That wasn't him. I can't remember who it was. Are we sure? Have I just said that and it wasn't actually him? You've just accused Thierry Bootsen of I assault when it wasn't him. I have just accused him of assault when it wasn't him, was it? I don't think he did, did what? he? I can't remember his name. Um, driver Punch. Yeah, he was a completely... Oh, I'm so sorry, Thierry. Um, I, that was a completely yeah. different driver. I apologise for that. We've gone down a rabbit hole, Jamie. Um, yeah. Anyway, who's the next one? I'll do some research. So, you have got three other drivers that probably all three you will kick yourself for not getting. Okay. First of all, you forgot the Venezuelan GOAT. Oh, yeah. Pastor Maldonado. Oh, yeah. Pastor Maldonado. Second of all, you forgot the Canadian GOAT. Who? Turkey 2020. Oh, of course. Lance. Sir Lancelot. Yeah. And last uh, but not least... Gatto was the guy who Yes, someone. sorry. Uh, last but not least, of course, little Lando Norris. Last year at Russia. Everyone oh, forgets that poll. Yeah. It's because yeah, he evaporated well, he three laps from the end of the Grand Prix. It would also be a race yeah. winner, but there we are. Seven out of 11, though, Jamie. Like I said, I feel like you're kick That was very much like a me style quiz where you know yeah. all of them, but just can't quite yeah, yeah. That was connect a good the dots. Well done. Thank you. I'm very, very proud of that one. And we've kind of shoehorned it very badly into the end of the show. Yes, indeed. Um,. One more piece of news. Hulkenberg's coming back. We Has he been... No, he hasn't been confirmed. I thought you'd no, been he confirmed hasn't. then. He's probably no. coming back. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about that more on Friday, <laughs> I think, won't we? Or Thursday, uh, whenever the pre-Abu uh, Dhabi show comes out, because it's meant to be confirmed on Wednesday, isn't it? I'm going to ask you yeah. one other quick question, Jamie, before we finish off, because it's just a random fact that I found out okay. today that I love. Can you name me the only ever Formula One car that wasn't built by Ferrari or built in the UK that won a world championship oh, wow only one ever in the one 72 ever years of the sport hasn't obviously Surely other teams have been Renault. registered elsewhere no, uh, Enstow, they were based it? in Enstow <sighs> wow but you're if, I'll question. give you a hint you're on the right lines with Renault who are uh, Bennett and were British um well, Benetton weren't British, but they were based in it. I always find it weird yeah. when I go to Europe and you'd remember that Benetton's actually just a clothes shop because obviously we only yeah. remember them for being a Formula yeah. One team. Um, that's a really hard question. Is it a manufacturer? Uh, not anymore. But, okay. Do you want me to give you the year 
or the the country without giving it away. Uh, the well, you like I said, you're on the right lines with Renault, so I'll tell you it was so it's French. French. Wow, which of the French teams have done anything? Um, now it's again even more tricky uh, because if I'm not mistaken, the team was actually registered in the UK. But unlike a lot of teams that register elsewhere in the world and build their cars in the UK, this was registered in the UK but wasn't actually built here. Oh, great. So I've got no chance. What was the year? And I'll just try and get the champion. 1969. You should easily be able to get that champion. Oh, is that not Jackie? It was Sir Jackie. I, I don't know what team it was. BRM? Nope. Matra? Yes. No, they never won anything. Matra won a yeah, championship? It was. Yeah. Wow. It's the only ever car to win a world championship that wasn't built in the UK or in Maranello. That's a very good, very good. My little, my little I'll extra use factoid again. for the day. I'm sure you'll use it in the quiz next year, and I'll hate myself the fact I forgot about it. But there we are. <laughs> um, yeah. I think we've pretty much gone over everything we've ever needed to, Jamie, and a whole lot more this evening. And nearly a 90-minute podcast for you all. Yeah. And we'll That's be got to be getting on for a record. It's got to be getting there, and we'll we'll be back later on this week as well because there's even more to discuss <laughs> from the world of Formula One. But I mean, yeah, if you've made it this far, a massive thank you to all of you uh, for listening. Let us know your thoughts and feelings on everything from this weekend down below and we will return for the last time in 2022 we'll be back out for the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix the season finale it's come round really quick and one last preview show from Knowing Wheel <laughs>